This episode is brought to you by the US C-17 cargo plane, the most spacious cargo plane in the world. Find another plane that can cram 640 Afghanis inside? Well, we'll invade another country and test it out. Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report. Hello, welcome to the Chaser Report for Friday the 20th of August 2021. Now, Charles, I've got some listener feedback for you. I am. Do you remember how yesterday at this point in the podcast at the start, um, I wanted to talk about the awful 663 cases in New South Wales yes. two days ago, oh. and yet you derailed yes. the conversation for a chat about a sandwich for three or well, four minutes. It was important, but yes. yes. And today, yes. the most obvious thing to discuss, the thing we have to address, is the 681 yes. people what? yesterday. No, 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 no. There's actually there's something much more important than that. Dom. Well, I'm very glad to hear it because listeners told me how yes. glad they were that rather than talking <laughs> about the case number, we talked about a sandwich. They were basically yeah. anything but those numbers. So what well, have you got that's not the numbers? I've some got some good news and, and some terrible news, Dom. Oh, dear. Which All is right. that I got an email from Rockpool. You know Rockpool, the, the, yeah, really the fancy, fancy restaurant. restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they've got this new thing where you click and collect for, like, fine dining or deliver, you yeah. know. And you look at the menu, it's just like the most delicious looking food ever. It's like proper rock pool food, hmm. but it's delivered to your house. And wow. it's going, this is great. Like, you know, we could order it for Sunday afternoon and, you know, we haven't spent much money. We, we can afford. And there's this one thing, you can get a banquet for $180 for two people, right? Mm-hmm. So a bit, a bit expensive, right? But it's just thinking, come on, live a little. Live a little. Yeah, let's. Yeah. And besides, I assume this is, you know, payola from Rockpool, so you're not actually paying for it. <laughs> no, no, no. So, okay, so I think click through to order it, right? And listen to the preparation instructions, right? I thought it was like normal takeaway where they just deliver it yeah. and you then eat it, right? I think it'd just be ready to go. No, this is like remove ham from container, arrange on serving plate, and the garnishes adds per attractions. Remove prawns and then place in a small oven tray. Start prepping the salad in the in a mixing bowl and get ready to place it. You're basically being their chef. Like, literally, you have to cook the whole thing. So like, you could just order it from like, or Coles and get the remove, same effect. Remove steaks from bag, place on an oven tray, and then season and and cook. <laughs> like, yeah, I think to that and, fancy rock pool, Charles, for a birthday, yeah. I don't remember having to cook my own steak. <laughs> Yes, and and it's $180 fucking dollars for basically two steaks and prawns and a, a piece of lettuce. If I could cook as well as Rockpool, I wouldn't need to buy my fucking ingredients from Rockpool. But, Charles, you're missing the upside of all this. Oh, yeah. Um, they deliver you all this fancy food. You've got to prepare it yourself. It kills three hours. Isn't that the best possible thing? Oh. Isn't that worth $180? Yes, you're and doing instructions. it. You don't have to think about what to do. You don't have to no. stare into the yawning morass of an afternoon and think, yes. yourself, what on earth am I going to do that I haven't done before? Because my yes. life repeats itself day upon day upon day. You can just cook the ridiculous meal from Rockpool. Maybe we should have talked about the numbers. That, that would have been a happier conversation. 681. Coming up on the show, we are talking to David Kilcullen, who's a military expert based in America, uh, about the clusterfuck that is Afghanistan. 
Yes, actual expertise coming your way here on the Toast Report. I don't know how I keep sneaking into the rundown, but there it is. Also, Sammy Shah is going to join us to talk about why he, have I got this right, Charles, has sympathy for anti-vaxxers. That, that, that well, can't I, be right. That's what he said. I, don't, I, I can't believe that's There'll true. be a twist. There'll be a twist. Well, hopefully, hopefully, I'm sure he'll give Queenslanders a spray, so you've at least got that to look forward to. As long as he's still on brand. And first, though, let's go to Rebecca Dana-Muno in the Chaser Newsroom. Celebrity quack Pete Evans has had his plans squashed for a mega commune near Byron Bay. Authorities say the toxic lifestyle choices coming from the commune could poison the local koala population. Defeated Afghan military and civilians alike have been spotted rounding up vast amounts of oil supply today in a desperate attempt to draw back the US military to their country. President Joe Biden refused to support a reinvasion, but did ask exactly how much oil had they stockpiled so far. The Labor Party has slammed the Liberal Party for failing to commit to a climate target for 2030, saying it was disgraceful that a party would not adopt a target. The Labor Party has not set a target for 2030. I'm Rebecca Dana-Muno and this is The Chaser News. Tired of ads barging into your favourite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This episode of The Chaser Report is brought to you by the regional New South Wales lockdown. If we find a mouse running through the streets, it'll be issued a $5,000 fine. We always love chatting Sammy Shah and judging by the download stats, you do too. Now, Sammy, how vaccinated are you at this point? Are you, are you on team double vax? I'm, I'm team single vax still. I've had one round of AstraZeneca. Um, I actually wanted to get Pfizer because I qualify. I'm over 40 as the gray hairs in my beard will attest. But um, I looked at the sign-up sheet and the Pfizer wait was too long. And I was like, you know what? I like the underdog. I like going for the sub-brand. Like, I don't, like, Kmart's great, but Aldi's even better. <laughs> Sammy, Sammy, you're wrong. You, you're just wrong. The whole of Australia is awash with Pfizer. Check out the press releases. Australia's awash. There's no problem with supply anymore. Mm. That is very true. I think my fault is not in putting my faith in, in the press conferences because clearly, as we know historically, a press conference is a source yeah. of truth. It is a font of wisdom. Announce it and it will come. That's how, that's how it works. Yeah, that's what the Oracle of Delphi was doing way back in ancient yeah. Greece was press conferences, basically, if you think about it. Um, no, uh, for me, it's the thing of like, I, got, I, I went for AstraZeneca. All right, yeah. I, I, I was skeptical about Pfizer because yeah. I couldn't get my hands on Pfizer. So I went for AstraZeneca, I got the first round, and I had that reaction to AstraZeneca that some people have, you know, where yes. like your body starts shaking, you start shivering, and you start like thinking you're dying. Is that the actual mm. vaccine, or is that just sheer terror of having Astra? I think that's just what happens when you read the form about blood clotting and how many <laughs> times that might, the word blood clotting is used in the clinic. Um, <laughs> but the thing I found amazing was, in the middle of the night, I was like, maybe, maybe anti-vaxxers have a point. Maybe this thing doesn't feel as safe as it should be because I'm literally shivering to death while also burning up simultaneously. And then I started thinking about anti-vaxxers and I feel like we're unfair to them. I think we're giving them a bad rap. It's not fair because some of the points they make are really, really good. And I, I feel like we're not listening to them closely enough. 
Oh, well, dear. back up. I didn't see okay. among the side effects of AstraZeneca having an insanely sympathetic view to anti-vaxxers, anti- <laughs> Sammy. What's this thing doing to you? We're still testing these uh, these vaccines. We don't know what the side effects are. Maybe this is one of them. Yes, okay. No, okay. Tell me this. If I walk up to you right now and I say, hey, guess what? Pharmaceutical companies are making a lot of money on vaccines. To- That's every single company. You could say that about literally every single company in the world. Agreed. And so that point they make is valid that, you know, right. corporations that- are out to make a lot of money on that your... They- that they had a successful product and the CEO somehow skimmed a whole lot of money having made a successful product. It's almost like the American-Australian story, right? <laughs> Ironically, AstraZeneca is being given away on a not-for-profit basis. And so they're communist idiots over at Astra. <laughs> yeah, clearly. They, 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 what's wrong with them? That's what's, forget the cloning, that's what's wrong with them. They don't get profit. They're Greens Party supporters, clearly, because that's their doomed model. Now, at the same time, if someone else came up to you and said, do you know that the government is trying to spy on you, take all your information, control your thoughts and your behavior in a way that benefits their next election, which is why they're probably defunding universities and things like that, what would you say? I'd say, yeah, that's, that sounds completely reasonable. Yeah. Now, the only point where it goes off the rails is when they, they, they go, well, if you put all of that together, I'm not getting vaccinated. Right? Oh, that's the only yeah, point. Okay, yeah. But other than that, all the arguments are valid. So now I'm feeling like maybe I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but only because I don't agree with the end conclusion. I'm a vaxxer who's pro-anti-vaxxer arguments in some ways. Does that sound crazy? Do I sound crazy? I sound crazy. You sound terrible. <laughs> I mean, you sound cancelled, Sammy. I'm really sorry. Now, that's also part of it is, you know, as a person who's a comedian, I'm all about not being censored. And if we're censoring vaccine people, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Are we allowing Big Brother to take over? And this is, you know, in the, in the words of an anti-vaxxer that I know, this is East Germany in 1937. I reckon the key test for this is imagine if they are, in fact, true. Like the that even you're wrong and that the end conclusion, which is that Bill Gates gets to control everyone through microchips in their blood, it wouldn't that be cool? Isn't the whole point that, you know, like if, if, if there is somebody that smart and evil on, on the planet, surely they should win. If the choice is between Scott Morrison and yeah. Bill Gates, yes, I think I want the one with the runs on the board. Yeah. Like, see, I think the real issue over here, and this is for me personally, is the reason why I'm not an anti-vaxxer fully. I don't believe the idea. is because I use Microsoft products in the past, and I just don't buy that they have this shit together. I can see Apple doing this, particularly a Steve Jobs era Apple, but even Tim Cook's done a fairly reasonable job with the new M1 chip. Mm. So I can see the M1 chip being something that's being installed in your bloodstream using a vaccine. And I'd be like, that's not bad. It kind of integrates me with my new Apple speaker, with my new iPhone, iOS 15. You know, that makes I am a part of the Apple ecosystem now. I can go with that. I think it's offensive that it's Bill Gates because I don't want to be a part of that. And that's why I don't believe the whole thing. I don't know what I don't know what to ask, Sammy. I'm just still still shocked. <laughs> I'm shocked both well, I- at your stance and that, that I kind of take your point in some respects. Yeah, the, the in any other era we would be saying, yeah. Big Pharma are evil, like they are the enemy. You're right, like, yeah, that is true. Like, like they're the people who did the OxyContin stuff and they charged 
hundreds of dollars for insulin in the US. They're horrible, horrible companies. They have trialed and tested, and this isn't even conspiracy theory. They have trialed and tested failed medications in African villages, which have killed and decimated whole parts of African towns and cities because they were like, oh, it turns out it had mercury in it. Everyone has cancer. Like, that's just a part of the thing. Now, the problem is that they're the ones with the tools also to build a good vaccine. Mm. So I can get why anti-vaxxers upset. Now, again, I'm not advocating becoming an anti-vaxxer. I don't want anyone to listen to this and go, Sammy's an anti-vaxxer or Sammy believes anti-vaxxers have a valid point. It's a pity that the title for this episode is going to be Sammy is an anti-vaxxer. Look, I set myself up for that and I feel like, you know, that's fair. You know, you got to go with the clicks and the clicks and the clicks, which is exactly the way Pfizer's thinking about this whole game. (laughs) I mean, I just... It makes me question your stance on Queensland. You know what? Here's another thing I want to come around on. All right. I'm glad you brought this up, Don. I am willing. I'm not saying that Queenslanders are redeemed. I'm not saying that Queenslanders as a a state um, are justified in their political choices, in their political representation choices. But I will say this. The amount of Queenslanders who contacted me in the last few weeks and said, ha ha, that was really funny. We, you know, we agree with you. We're quite shit, things like that. Compared to every time you make a joke about New South Wales and you basically get cancelled, attacked and abused by everyone and everything that ever existed in Sydney, um, I gotta say, I think I like Queenslanders' sense of humour and they turned out to be a lot cooler and nicer and more open-minded than I thought they would be and I'm kind of coming around to them a little bit now. I hate saying this. That's just because you've got a tour there. That's literally just because you've got a tour there. You're just trying to sell tickets. When I said earlier in the podcast that you were cancelled, I was joking, but now I'm sorry, Charles, I don't think we can have this guy on anymore. Yeah, if, we, if, we, if you can't keep up the Andy Queensland, then I'm sorry. Like They don't have as many listeners as, as New South Wales does. We need someone to hate at the moment, Sammy. You know what? We attack our prime minister for not having enough empathy and for going to empathy training courses and learning nothing. Guys, mm. this is what empathy looks like. It, it means love thy enemy. And maybe I'm open to loving Queenslanders and maybe I'm open to loving an anti-vaxxer from a distance until I get fully vaccinated so that I'm immune to whatever they're carrying. Well, Sammy, it's been lovely chatting to you over, over the last, over the last um, few months. Um, not going to have you back. Fair um, enough. I understand. Yeah. <laughs> Reasonable are you, response. Uh, are you going to the rally on the weekend, <laughs> Sammy, if it goes ahead? Are you speaking at the rally? Are you, are you addressing the rally? Are you the face of I'm the doing, rally? I, look, I mean, yeah, this might be an awkward time to mention that I'm doing 10 minutes of stand-up at the rally. It might be the only <laughs> gig I've gotten. And so, therefore, you know, never bite the hand that feeds you. Even if that hand is riddled with malaria, measles, mumps, and rubella. But, um, you know, a gig's a gig, man. Thank you, Sammy. But also, at the same time, goodbye forever. Yeah. Goodbye forever. <laughs> <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Dom, you know what I miss most about lockdown? Every aspect of life that's now been destroyed. Oh, sorry, that was a bit depressing. No, that's exactly right. But one of that is going to cafes, right? Oh, yes, I so miss going to cafes. Yes, and and there's a really special thing about going to a cafe in Sydney 
in winter. Yes, it's it's the one good thing about a winter's day in this town. You just go into the cafe and you say, oh, fuck, I'm freezing. I'm going to sit down here. Can we close the door? And the cafe owner says, no fucking way. Charles, is it possible that at some point in our past we took that thought during a non-lockdown period yes. and rendered it into, I don't know, a comedic sketch of some kind? Yes, in fact we did. It was a 38-second sketch and here it is. Morning. Can I get a flat white, please? Certainly. It's very cold in here, but mind if I close the door? Oh, don't do that. Why not? This is a Sydney cafe. We leave the door open no matter how cold it gets. Is it a law or something? No, the open door makes us look welcoming to customers. But you don't have any customers. I know. It's way too cold in here. They're not idiots. Now, here's your coffee. Would you like to have it al fresco squatting on a milk crate on the footpath? But it's freezing out there. Yeah, but at least it's warmer than in here. The Chaser Report. Less news, more often. How on earth did the US and its allies, including Australia, manage not only to lose the war in Afghanistan to the Taliban after 20 years, but to completely stuff up the exit, leaving people stranded and in a giant mess? Charles and I were fascinated to know more about this. Fortunately, Charles knows just the guy. His name is Dr. David Kilcullen. He's Professor of International Political Studies at the Australian Defence Forces Academy, currently based in the USA, in Colorado. But he's previously been a soldier. He fought in the Iraq War. He's been a diplomat, and he's currently a scholar of guerrilla warfare, terrorism, urbanisation, and the future of conflict. Basically, he's a complete expert on Afghanistan, to the point where he's been part of many of the key conversations over many years about this stuff, He's even advised the U.S. State Department and former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice. He's also written quite a few books about this. The most recent is The Dragons and the Snakes, How the Rest Learned to Fight the West. It's out from OUP. And Charles grew up with him. We had a half an hour long conversation with David about Afghanistan. We learned a huge amount from it. And it was so interesting that we've published it as a special episode in your feed. You'll see it below this episode you're listening to right now if you open your podcast app. What we're going to play you now, though, is a quick clip answering the key question. How did the Taliban manage to win? But if you want to hear the whole episode, and we recommend that you do, go to your podcast app and just listen to the whole thing later in the day. And and so what were their tactics? Like, how did they take out each town? So super smart, right? So they're a small guerrilla group. They've got limited assets. Um, they There's two general plans um, or general approaches they took. I wrote about this a couple of months ago. Like it's been obvious to us, it's, but it, we didn't realize it was going to succeed so well. The they would go and sort of partially surround a village or a, a district center, um, and they would then send in an elder from the local community that's known to the garrison, and he would say, "Guys, the Taliban have got you surrounded. They are going to fucking kill you all, or they're leaving an opening. If you hand over your weapons and your ammo, they'll let you go home." Um, and Increasingly, garrisons were doing that because they weren't getting air support. They weren't, weren't getting food. They were running out of ammunition. They knew if they got injured, there was no way to evacuate them to a hospital. So when the Taliban comes up and gives you an opening, you go, yeah, okay. And also there was kind of a network effect, right? So if there's nine garrisons in a district and five of them flip, well, okay, you can fight on if you want to, but it's, it's not going to make any difference at this point, right? So people were changing. So they applied that method at the district level um, for months then they began to apply it in the last week or so at the province level. And same technique, bigger scale, 
instead of the local garrison commander, they're talking to the province governor or the mayor, and people were just flipping left and right. You, you saw that on the news. Some even changed sides, right, and joined the Taliban. And then for Kabul, they were planning to do the same thing, right? So they basically partially surrounded Kabul, paused, um, and then Bereda flew in, met with Karzai. And I think the army was ready to fight and probably would have fought, and their problem was a lot easier because they're just defending one area. But by the time the military guys on the front line heard that the politicians are busy selling you out in the presidential palace, they're like, all right, we're done, right? And the whole thing fell over. So that's one strategy. The other thing is um, six or eight weeks, they've been fighting for Kandahar and Helmand, which are two big towns in the south, uh, sorry, uh, two big provinces in the south. And the guts of the Afghan military was basically destroyed in trying to save these towns to the point where when they flipped and started going north, the cover was bare. There was nothing they could do. Um, I mean, we we have spent 20 years systematically underestimating the Taliban and they've just for the 10th time proved that, you know, they're a lot better, I mean, more, more capable than we give them credit for. So that was an excerpt of our longer conversation with Dr. David Kilcullen. Just bear in mind, the entire episode is available now in your podcast app of choice below today's episode. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. This episode of The Chaser Report is brought to you by Peter Dutton. (laughs) 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 Fuck. That, that is all. Just before we go, on Fridays we take a look at the reviews that you leave on the Apple Podcast app. Last week there was only one, Charles, but this week oh, there's quite a few and they range from five stars to one star. Let's begin with the five-star one, shall we? John, read the first one. Yeah, so this one's from Joe Gett um, and it says it would be six stars, but it, uh, it's five stars. Stop all the Queensland hate. Wow. Hope you all down south are enjoying your cold winter weather and your constant state of lockdown. I'm off for a walk outside in my T-shirt and shorts and off for a beer while you're, you're stuck at home. Well, what a fuckwit. <laughs> I don't Do you, think I like Joe. No. Good. Although there is five stars. And I, I feel like they misunderstood the scoring mechanism of Apple Podcasting yeah. that you can't get six stars. Yeah. Um, but you know, he said due to all the Queensland hate, I can only give this podcast five stars instead of six. Also... We pretty much won all of Australia's gold medals 
at the Olympics. So there. I mean, so it was seeming witty and kind and funny. I was going to say, this is not a t- normal Queensland. This person's moved up from New South Wales. No. But then I think at the end they proved they were genuine. Yeah. So thank you for the no, five he's a stars. Genuine, genuinely bitter Queenslander. We'll probably have to produce this podcast from Queensland in a year or two, the way property prices are going. So um, see you soon. Uh, this one, striving for mediocrity. This one's left, uh, left by someone called Rubbish Podcast. It's one star. You've hit your goal of being mediocre, very mediocre. Well done. Now, Charles, at the start of The Chaser, I'm very proud of I came up with striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence. And I'd like to feel we were there first on this review. Oh, Back yeah, in 1999, we, we knew. We, yeah, no, that's exactly right. We, um, we, we, well, you know, in life, what's more important than achieving your goals? Yep. Well, there you go. I yep. mean, if we'd aimed to be comedy geniuses, we'd be probably disappointed at this point. But no, I'm, I'm happy literally with that. Uh, not. And now, another one, Honey Burl Girl. Thanks, team. I get a dark giggle every morning from the show. In week nine of Groundhog Lockdown Day, it's genuinely uplifting to listen to you all. She obviously is not listening to this podcast. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no. no. Well, look, you've confused us with Coronacast, I think, but that's all right. Yeah. Uh, appreciate it. Now, yeah. this is interesting. The Tim not in lockdown. I don't know. There's probably more than two Tims out there. But anyway, uh, like me and my wife's first date, a confronting 20 minutes, but you go back for more. I think that's complimentary. It's five stars. I mean, I have concerns for your relationship, Tim, but as long as you love well, us. So his, his, his first date with his wife lasted 20 minutes. Yeah, and then he wants to take us home at the end of it. Anyway, um, oh, well, that's I'll nice. take it as positive. Any five-star yeah. review, I'll take it as positive. Um, the last one's directed at you, Charles. Yeah, this is uh, regarding your comments around the IPCC report. I recommend reading The New Climate War by Michael Mann. At the same time, enlightening and with a glimmer of hope. Thanks for bringing joy into my life every day. And that's from Jai uh, HL. That's really well, sincere. I mean, it's not often we get nice. um, you know, yes. scholarly references in the podcast reviews, Charles. This is a turn for the, a turn for the books. Well, I know what my, um, my weekend reading is, which is um, some more reviews. <laughs> Definitely not that book. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to read the one-star reviews and hate myself even more. That's what I'm going to do. Thank you for that. Uh, please leave yours. We don't care whether they're good or bad, but they're just fun to get at Apple Podcasts. That's the only app that we can check for whatever reason. It's the big one. Um, our gear is from Rode Microphones, and we're part of the Acast Creator Network. Charles, unless you've got any final thoughts for the weekend. Well, well just uh, remember the full interview with David Kilcullen. Oh, yes. Go back and listen to that full chat. It was absolutely fascinating, I think. Yeah, it was fascinating. And tomorrow uh, we're talking to Cameron Wilson from Crikey, uh, who's been looking into the sort of world of fake news and conspiracy theories. It's absolutely fascinating as well. Yep. So check that out. Online misinformation. He's a real specialist at it. And he tweeted a picture of Scott Morrison as a woman this week. I want to know why. Thanks for your company this week. Catch you next week. And indeed over the weekend.